on dispensers of pets. Go hang out at the cons, renaissance fest. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, eh, sit back and watch as the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Oh, there's no pause. Nobody's here. Uh, and here he is, the man ready to apologize to Sarah Palin at a moment's notice, Derek McCaw. Thank you, Rick. That was such an aggressive introduction. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. It is rather quiet here as we Thursday podcast. Night. On, it's Thursday night at Elusive Comics and Games 2725 El Camino Real Suite 104. In Santa Clara, California, didn't even have to stand in line to get my books. You didn't. That was a. All, you know, I was here earlier, and actually, it was it was uh, impressively busy for a Thursday. But still, yes, we're essentially by ourselves here. Yeah. With the store, hoping somebody, you know, maybe people will walk in. We do want to say up top, by the way, if you are someone in the area of elusive comics and games, aside from joining our Facebook group. Uh, which we have a group and a fan page. We have a group and a, how does that work? So seek them out. Know. You take you, you you know these things. So well, you, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have the group if I'd known about the fan page because the fan page is much more fun. Mario actually was the one who said you know, really don't want a group, you want a fan page. So. Okay, well, good. Thank you, Mario. Once again, but if again. you go to the group, it has a link to the fan page. Okay, fantastic. Am I am I on both? Am I on yeah, on both. Okay, yeah. good. I'm not sure. You're actually an administrator. I'm, I'm such a bad webmaster. Anyway, um, I don't understand the technology. I just point me in the right direction. I'll pretend to be the fi- I'm the figurehead. You are the genius. You are the you are the, the brains behind I'm the it. nerd. Yeah, you are. Um, I was going to say, so anyway, you noticed that we then today you had posted, actually, that we were podcasting tonight so people could yep. come down. But I want to say now, July 1st, that's right, 1st of July. Two weeks. Uh, two weeks here at, at Elusive Comics Games. John Lehman, who is getting a lot of attention for his book, Chew, uh, is going to co- be here doing a signing. So we're hoping that uh, we will get uh, Chew, get uh, John Lehman on as a as a third uh, voice or a fourth voice uh, here. I should say who the voices are tonight. It's our it tradition. Is, it is a very quiet thing here. It is, uh, as me, Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief, it's a two-man operation tonight. The old men are in charge. Yep. Across from me, of course, is Moral Compass, sound engineer, and the brains behind the operation, the guy who understands Facebook. Rick Brett Snyder. Indeed. Um, and it's just us. It's very lonely. We have these microphones. See, so when you There's see... two open mics. When you see that... That posting, you should come down and sit in and be a guest. Yeah. Be our guest. Uh, put our service to the test. Yeah. And Steve so, Nelson was here earlier, but he, he had, had to leave. Run. So yeah. we've got, uh, anyway, John Lehman in a, in a couple of weeks here at Elusive. Get that signed. Uh, and as I was going through some of his earlier work, I did, uh, I know what I had read, I remember what I had read by him was uh, the Red Sonia Claw uh, miniseries. Oh, which the crossover. From, the crossover that had come from uh, Wildstorm. Claw being another character. Claw, yeah, not Red Sonia's Claw, but Red Sonia and Claw the Unconquered. DC. Uh, had been a DC sword and sorcery, sword and character. sorcery character. And I remember enjoying that book. So I was like, oh, okay. And that's why, that's why I knew. You know, it was ringing a bell. And I was like, okay, there. And he turns out he's local. So we're going to be trying to have a few extra guests. I'm going to say, throw this out there right now. You know, you're going to listen to this on Sunday night. Charnold. Charnold, why don't you try to drive down here? Uh, maybe next Wednesday we'll we're take gonna, you out to we're dinner. Gonna, we'll take you out to dinner. What? 
Okay. Uh, on the Fanboy Planet expense account. I'll take you out. Okay. Today. I've got a quarter. I will put it in. I will buy you some peanut M&Ms. So there you go. There's a deal. You gave me a dum-dum, and, it, and there was pineapple. So we'll go someplace nice. Really? Someplace with linen. Hmm. You make it sound so romantic. So, Sharnold, if that scares you, <laughs> anyway, anybody else? We'll, we'll, be, we'll be talking to some people about coming in and sitting in. Uh, we are going to, of course, talk tonight about we got some comics things issues to talk about, some movie issues to talk about, TV issues to talk about. Of course, it is June. TV is kind of down. Movies, well, we're seeing movies open up, but there's not a lot in the pipeline. Rumors are kind of slow. But, but uh, some things are happening in comics. Oh, I did do something you recommended last week. What did, I, what did you do that I recommended? You highly Took recommended. Sudafed? I have never seen, I have to admit, I have never seen Goonies. You watched the Goonies. And I got Goonies from uh, Netflix, and I watched it. What did you think? Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that a good OMG uh, or a bad OMG? Jeez. First off, I don't think you could make that movie today. No. Because no one would go see it. <laughs> no, I'd forgotten that that was a uh, Steven Spielberg uh Production, yeah, of, Richard Donner, Richard Donner movie, and it's it's one of those movies. I kept on thinking they're creeping around, trying to be quiet, but everyone is screaming at each other throughout the whole movie. And uh, uh, I don't know if you've worked with young children, but yeah. um, uh, as I've already established at my school, when we go through like the code red things, you know, where you're supposed to be quiet in case there's a gunman on campus. Yeah, I I can vouch that children they will get you dead. killed. Yeah. Children will get you killed because you're the highest per. You know, <clears throat> when the gunman right. sticks his gun in and fires, you're gonna you know yeah. They've killed me several times in several huh. drills, so I I find that a very realistic thing. Although yes, it's kind of a fantasy thing. Definitely a child of the '80s. But I even had the, the Goonies video game. This is you know, oh my a god, big thing. It was a pretty good video game actually. Yeah, and um, John Tuzak is slow. I would say I, I I won't say that I I you know regret having watched it. It was definitely a kids' movie. It was intended it was, as a kids' movie. I would imagine that if I was seven again, I would have been thrilled. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's the who praise. is sloth. Uh, John Matuzak. Oh, really? Football player? The football yeah. player? Okay. Yeah, and unfortunately, I who, did like that they who, did the uh, special effects of having his ears twitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of cutting edge for the time, I yeah. think. Yeah, uh, that's kind of robotics. In. Yeah. That was a good good movie. Okay. And there's young Josh Brolin. Yeah. There's young Sean yeah. Astin. I there's recognized a, yeah. a few. I do wonder in the kind of where are they now? Where is uh, Gizmo or Gadget, whatever, the kid that was short rounded short in round? Indiana Jones? I don't know. Probably. Uh, uh, I could say a lot of things, but they'd all be you know, misinterpreted. Uh, right. So let's being just, not let's, respectful. Let's or, not go there. Let's not. Um, yeah. Let's instead go to comics, um, which is, first of all, uh, you know, the Batman thing is still going. You know, Batman is still dead, uh, of course. But uh, <laughs> It's a Saturday Night Live bit. This huge. <laughs> Good evening. Batman, Batman is, is still dead. dead. And uh, they, you know, they've got the Batman Reborn event going on. And last week I talked about Batman and Red Robin number one. This week Paul Dini uh, gets his own book, which I was trying to figure out like why it exists. Cause it's called Streets of Gotham. So I thought, oh, that's kind of odd. Paul Dini maybe focusing on some of the secondary characters in, uh, in, in the Batman world. But no, it is, it is still kind of focusing on 
Dick Grayson and Damien as Batman and Robin. No, oh, okay. However, uh, it's Paul Dini, so right there. Yeah, it's Dini, it, he's the one who wrote those series of one issue stories from uh, a few years back in Detective. Wasn't it? Or? Well, he, he yeah, just a couple years back, he yeah. had a run with Dustin Nguyen as the artist, and so they are. It's the same artistic team okay. brought to this book because there's no room because Detective's now going to feature Those are Greg, good Greg Ruck as Batwoman, that run. and that's what I felt. It's like it began with let's well, just little update what's going on with Harley Quinn. Boom, Hush is in an asylum, and they'd left. He had left that with a kind of Hush had um, done plastic surgery to make himself look like Bruce Wayne, right. so he's right. now in in prison. And, you know, but so there's a Bruce Wayne lookalike in prison, basically, what's, you know, and, and definitely some consequences going on. And the Firefly, who is kind of a, it was a second-rate Batman villain. He was the originally, showed up in the original Batgirl comic. Right. And it was, oh, no, the, that uh, was, uh, no, that was Moth. The Killer Moth. Killer, Killer Moth, Moth was Sorry. the one who first fought Batgirl, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it upped, you know, they've upped the Firefly as a, as a threat. Okay. And, um, but on top of that, so it's another one of those with a second feature, and it's Manhunter, which has been this great. Uh, which Manhunter? The, the Kate Paul Spencer. Kirk? Kate Spencer, the oh. the series oh, that, that has been yeah. canceled and reborn and canceled and reborn. Look, I'm going to say that that uh, series as a comic book individually was great. It was okay. definitely hard edged. It was definitely one you know because let's be honest. Female characters don't sell unless the cover is like those Oracle ones where there's just, you yeah, know, a power girl where what we're seeing yeah. is cleavage. And that's not what Kate Spencer was about. No. And so that Manhunter series was very different, very on the edge. And now Kate Spencer is becoming the interim DA in Gotham City. So they have an excuse to kind of tie it together okay. as a backup feature. But it's just great to again why these double features are a great idea. I'm willing to pay three ninety nine. And that book again was uh, the Streets of Gotham. Streets of Gotham. So I'm willing to pay three ninety nine if what you're going to do is save a good series like Blue Beetle was a good series. So putting that in the back of Booster Gold, yeah. no brainer. Great. We're going to keep that alive. Manhunter. We're going to keep that alive. I'm still. So vibrating for Doom Patrol, Metal Men. I can't even begin. When's that supposed to be out? I don't know, but I'm excited for it. Um, and so, so I thought that was a good payoff. The other thing that got released this week, along <coughs> with it, was a trade paperback to tie into the Batman R.I.P. series, which is the Batman Black Casebook fail that files, sounds good. which is yeah, a collection of the '50s stories that Grant Morrison said in Batman R.I.P. essentially Bruce Wayne hallucinated, <laughs> and so it fits in continuity. But you want to have this throwback I hope to it's all this bookended with this some new new uh, stuff. I don't yeah. think it was, no. I, and I got to admit, considering how. Little this would have to honestly cost them to print to, to they reprint this to stuff. reprint this because who are they going to? Be? There's no royalties due. This was long before that. Everybody involved in writing this because they're Bill Finger stories, uh, Dick Sprang art. Well, that's why I think it's spring for some intro and extra or Sheldon Moldoff, covers, maybe. Yeah, yeah, they should have. It's or not, it was a pretty straightforward thing. It was like eighteen bucks for this trade paperback. So I thought a little pricey for how many stories you got, but. On the other hand, you can't pick up that Batman from the 30s to the 70s hardback anymore. So maybe that was, you know, yeah. except that it was worthwhile. And it's fun. It's a side of Batman. Well, especially since it ties into that whole, yeah. you know. And it's definitely a side of Batman that the Brave and the Bold animated series is picking up. So now is the time, if you've liked that, uh, I don't know, you know, in addition, by the way, to that Batmite episode, which I still haven't seen. I haven't seen that one. Where I just caught the Jonah Hex one the other evening. Okay, I have to catch that. I still haven't seen that one either. I'm very behind on my Brave and the Bold. But they just announced today, Neil Patrick Harris is going to guest star in a musical episode oh of, my God. of Brave and the Bold. 
playing. Well, who'd have thought he could sing, though? Well, you know, but see, I did actually know that because Neil Patrick Harris had been on Broadway in Assassins. He was in the Assassins. Oh, really? Revival. I didn't know that. And it was a big deal that they, oh, Neil Patrick Harris, I don't know. And he played uh, Mark in Rent uh, when his career was on it. He was one of the replacements. He wow. was like the second cast of Rent. So, uh, yeah, I knew. It was one of those great kept secrets. That's why when they did that Saturday Live sketch about Broadway Cares, did you see that sketch? No, I didn't see that one. Where they were all gathered in a restaurant, like, what are we going to do to save Broadway? And so the guy that's playing the Phantom and the guy that's playing Mark in Rent is Neil Patrick, Neil Patrick Harris, Harris playing the character that he actually played in Rent. and so going with the scarf and everything. Yeah, with yeah. the scarf, you know. And so it was very funny because I'm like, oh, he really was that guy. Yeah. And so... Uh, but nice in joke. But not a lot of people actually do realize that. So, and, and I like that he's getting that career, but also that I like that he's getting that on Brave and the Bold. I'm just excited that Brave and the Bold pushes things so many different directions. That there's a Commandi episode this week. It's going to be full. Oh, really? Full good, Comandi, good, good. All tribute to Jack Kirby. So, you know, I, awesome show. And then we're off track. Then that's all the Batman stuff. I had a little trouble with the Jonah Hex issue. You want a episode? mild spoiler? Yeah, okay, the, the episode. Yeah, the the he starts off by having to capture Batman because Batman's wanted on War World. I guess it is. Um, so it's come more, more like the actual series Hex when he was in the future. Yeah, exactly. He's wearing he's riding a mechanical horse and and he ends up stuck in the future. So so, so they did the Hex thing. Yeah, and it was, see that's what I love about it. Okay, I can understand. It was not a series that people loved when he went into the future. Right, and I the, liked it. The post-apocalyptic. I love the scene where he finds his own body stuffed in the he, museum. Oh God, yes, that was great. But and it's like a dark time. Nobody though really wants to. It, what I liked about this was that he found the stuff, but which meant he knew he had to go home right, sometime right, and die. Right. But but the Brave and the Bold is going to acknowledge. These really weird detours exactly, in DC exactly. continuity and just make them, boom, this is the way it is. How long is it going to be before Batman goes insane and we see one of the strange costumes? <laughs> you thrill me. Your ideas. And James Tucker, if you're listening, you know, we are available for consultation. <laughs> I would like to say this. I, you know, we love you, James. Um, <laughs> so back on uh, comics is somebody, character who is not still dead, uh, Captain America. No, well, he is still dead, but Captain America 600 came out on Monday because Marvel had arranged for the news to be broken. Where'd my issue go? In the mainstream. Oh, and, and uh-oh, we have a lost Captain America number 600. Oh, man. Is there a lot? You went through all this to get it. And, um, yeah, nobody's around. To- I'm sorry, Rick. Huh. I'm sorry. Huh. First of all, I will say that despite the fact that there's nothing about the plot turns that isn't predictable in Captain America 600, it's I still found that actually a pretty good read. An interesting a four ninety nine issue, yeah, featuring a lot of stories from a lot of but massive, a massive issue, a lot of stories from great artists, uh, of all the different characters that are in the periphery of, uh, and many of them I'm thinking about, uh, they've all like either been the feature, the main character in Captain America comics, uh, like the fifties <coughs> Captain America. There's of course Bucky, there's Sam Wilson, a- a Sharon Carter. I think Sharon Carter even had a, a miniseries as Agent Thirteen. So. You know, I, I think that uh, maybe I, I forget how big, how broad the Captain America universe really is in and of itself. And then, then there's a backup, a reprint of a Red Skull story from the '40s. So uh, it was a, a reasonable thing, although I guess a predictable. We all knew when Captain America was killed that uh, event. They couldn't leave Steve Rogers dead. They can't. They, they could I don't not know. Do there's it. been some doubt in my mind as to whether or not. I will. I will tell you my argument. I didn't want him to come back. 
Yeah. But we know that on July 1st, they're going to release Reborn number right. one. It's going to be. Ed Brubaker and I can't remember who, Brian Hitch, I think, is doing the art. You, you reborn, who, duh, who's going to be Reborn and Captain yeah. America Reborn? Uh, well, you know, who's writing it? Brubaker? Brubaker is. So yeah. he brought Bucky back in a believable fashion. So Oh, I believe he'd bring it back in a believable fashion. I just don't want Steve Rogers back. Yeah. I, I, I think politically, <coughs> and back when, when Bucky first put on the, the uniform, thought you know actually not only was this so well told and so organically moved forward that if you think about captain america as an icon and a a symbol of the american dream or of america yeah this makes sense and is more dramatically interesting to me that steve rogers comes out of world war ii a time when it's black and white it's very clear what america stands for and and, who the villains are and, and and who the villains are so and Part of the problem that people have had with writing Captain writing Captain America all along has been, what do you do with this man out of time, and this gung ho patriotism, which I think sort of the well, ultimate kind of interesting because the Ultimates made him into a dick. Yeah, yeah. and and, I, and I, which I was kind of realistic. It's kind it was of what realistic. You'd I just didn't necessarily like that. Except you know, yeah, I could a dick, but you still kind of respected him because you, you understood did. where he was coming from. Yeah, but I thought that once Bucky took over, you know, this is the time for a for a symbol of America that is. Clear cut, and knows he can, or, you know, can do no wrong. Even though from time to time they have made Steve Rogers do no wrong, and it hasn't been it hasn't stuck well in his character. But with Bucky, this is a, a man living in the shadow of form of a former glory, right? Of knowing what America once was, that he feels the responsibility of make of making America great, but also not sure that he is doing the right thing because he's also having to atone for the sins of his past right. without it being whiny. And that's the thing. I'm saying like other characters or other characters that have stepped into the mentor mentor's uniform in like Green Lantern. When Kyle Rayner became Green Lantern, there are a lot of people that love Kyle. I have no real problem with Kyle. But it was like five years of Kyle Rayner whining about how he wasn't fit to wear the ring. Yeah. And that's not the issue. Bucky is fit to 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 have the shield, but Bucky is also uh, wow. Suddenly things got really quiet. That, that that Bucky was the Winter Soldier. He did a lot of oh god, it's Batmite. Salacious crumb is over my shoulder. This is really creepy to have Steve like. Aren't you going to flip the, the clothes sign me. over? Yeah, we're shutting down elusive tonight. What's it, say? it says close. Then you know we're closed. Okay. Oh, okay. But we're already. Trapped inside the store. Okay. Now it's open. Not yet. Wait. The familiar. Ah. Now we're trapped. It's like being in a Hitchcock movie. Fantastic. We are going to survive. Did you sell my copy of Captain America 600 that was sitting in there on the counter? Wait. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to survive on on peanut M&Ms and vodka. So, anyway. I'll get started. (laughs) Okay. Well, all right then. No, I I put it up there because I need to pay you for it. Oh, I thought you put it up there because you wanted me to put it in your box. No. Either way, it's been taken. It's still it's yours. In the box. You think I would sell your Captain America? To me? I would hope so. <laughs> okay. Eventually. It's still yours. To, it's still yours, Rick. <sighs> <sighs> okay, good. So, in addition, uh, things coming back. Oh, what I was going to add to that yeah, was go. Uh, masterfully uh, story. And the Bucky story has been masterfully told. I think one of the things that's gone and gone unnoticed, we all reacted when the new costume came out. The new costume actually reflects the darker Bucky. And when Cap comes back and dons the real mm-hmm. costume, that will be 
one of those signature moments again well, where he kind will. of steps I guess onto that's the, the stage. Thing, I'm, that, I trust that Brubaker will handle it well. Yeah. I trust it will be drawn beautifully, iconically. And there's a part of me that goes, yes, I suppose. I mean, this is what we believed, I think, in change is going to come, you know, that that not to get too heavily into politics, people are expecting the president we have to restore that lost glory. Yes. But I don't know how realistic that is to demand in the real world. I'm just happy the, the president, president doesn't screw up. <laughs> well, and there are people that are going to disagree with you on that, well, you know. So I have to say, I know that's why I don't want to get are wrong. too heavily politically. They've always been wrong. They were wrong before, too. They, and, they, and they will continue to be. Yes. Um, <clears throat> don't detract me. You're if wrong. you would like to write in, editor at fanboyplanet.com. Um, anyway, uh, so Captain America coming back because nobody really dies in comics to the point, in fact, that as you pointed out, there is a to me earlier today. There's a new series now. Has this been released yet? In out of continuity, Chris Claremont oh, written. My. Yeah, the first X-Men issue book, out. came out last week. X Men Forever. Yeah, which is basically X Men if Chris Claremont had never been fired from the book. I'm kind of reminded of there have been a number of Japanese uh, anime series that have been like something forever. And and the thing about them is like uh, the one I remember, think of is Yamato Yamato, for um, be forever Yamato, so, which would be Star Blazers. Yeah, to Star Blazers for us is that those those took the same people and told kind of the same story over and over again with different people dying or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so now we have X Men Forever, which takes up the storyline as if uh, Claremont had not left. Right. After his three-issue run before the relaunch of X-Men, mm-hmm. I think that's right. Um, and they're going to spin out a brand new continuity that is not tied in anything currently going on. Not you know, it's it's, it's already doing with. And the, you've got the ultimate line. Apparently, done it's, that, you know? it's it's uh, current. It's not back in those days. It's current uh, today. You know, so interaction with uh, current events. This, I don't, this is making my head hurt so much, yeah. I might have to pick up this book. Yeah, and frankly, um, not a bad issue, uh, an introductory issue. They're you know, getting all the characters back in your mindset. you got the masked Kitty Pride. Uh, the, I won't Shadow s- Cat or Ariel or Sprite? Uh, I think it's Shadow Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had uh, – it starts off with uh, – I won't spoil too much by the first couple of issues of Jean Grey fantasizing about being with Logan. Back to that. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's an interesting time in the X-Men. And it's, it is really when – you, when you think about the team that relaunched things and which was all the non – the real X-Men were on the, uh, the living island and mm-hmm. this was – that was the new team. And then they merged some of the original team in with this new group mm-hmm. and that was kind of an X-Men sweet spot. So we're kind of back in – Well, in the only thing they could, they could make this book actually even more compelling for me is if you convinced John Byrne to go back and draw it. Yeah. If it was Claremont and Byrne – I can't remember who the artist is, but it's not that far off. I mean, okay. Well, now, dang it! Here, we, I was prepared to mock this, yeah, and now you've got me convinced that I'm I want to look at it. St- I'm still not sure that I won't end up mocking it, okay? Because I do not like the idea of spinning up a new continuity based on a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, Except- it's like you, you can say, okay, here's the new continuity based on a hero not dying in the storyline. Right. Yeah. If he had died or didn't die, here's the new continuity. But when it's if a writer had stayed on, that's just a little weird. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, except the thing is, he is so yeah linked to or to the X Men to the X Men, and the reason the X Men are popular, it 
that's a that's a huge credit to him in a way that you know when they when they talk no about the, the Teen Titans, they're always you know they try to lure Marv Wolfman back. Yep. Uh, or I, mean, I don't know how hard they're really trying. I think they they always try to do Titans without Marv Wolfman, and then they end up always coming back to him and going, "Will you do something to spin this out? Will you kind save the same this? period of time too? Wasn't it? Oh yeah. yeah, and they're often you know they were definitely the new Teen Titans and X Men running concurrently. And not only was that a great crossover between the two companies when Darkseid and Dark Phoenix went together, but yep. but concurrently they upped each other's game. I mean, that was legitimate competition. Even though X Men was really kind of everybody the, benefited. Was really kind of the once upon a time that that was believed in comics, and now it's like they really are. They act like they're trying to crush each other. I'm not a Marvel zombie. I'm not a DC zombie, uh, but I might be a Black Lantern core member. Um, but when they just when it was a really truly a friendly rivalry and a friendly competition, yeah, you know, and I'd had people say that, you know, I can remember saying, oh, "New Teen Titans, oh, that's their X Men." I'm like, no, no, Teen Titans existed, you know, at the same time long as X Men yeah. did long before, yeah. When really X Men is is Marvel's Doom Patrol, uh, yeah. You know, but they all became their own thing, and we could love them both. Why can't we just get along? Why can't Star Trek fans like Star Wars? Why can't Star Wars fans like Star? The Trek? reality is, they can. Is it? Yeah. Because I don't know. You have a couple of bipolar – well, I don't want to say that. Man. Okay. You have some people. Okay. Um, and <laughs> and think, I, I got picked up a book here just to bring over and say I, it's kind of a recommendation of trade paperbacks of the week. You know, we talked about Batman Black Casebook. But I like to point out when things come from alternate presses, like last week we talked about IDW's Philip Jose Farmer project, Rude Dude Productions, which is actually Steve Rude. Steve Rude. Rude. Uh, is reprinting in sort of a more I don't know what you'd call is this that's not really a digest size but uh, it's kind of it's still, a, like a little larger than digest but it's still a reasonable eight issues of Nexus reprinted for ten yeah. bucks and I, I hadn't at least it. three of which were again but you know again Steve is back there complaining why don't you go to the mic and bitch uh, <laughs> say it where everybody can hear um, that uh, oh he's coming he's coming there that microphone go ahead. You know, it really chafes my hide when these guys come out with reprints and one shots when they really like need this. to like that, when they really just need to sit down and finish this series that they started. So you don't think Nexus is finished? That one is. Okay. But his his other Nexus issue one hundred and one part two okay. of five. Yeah, there was a space like space, space opera or something mini that never finished up? Never finished. How do you feel about Badger? I don't care about Badger. Okay. But you care about Nexus, obviously. Yeah. There's a I care there. because people do. Nobody cares about Badger. You know, I bought all these when they this one this this original book came out in an oversized yeah uh, from Capital uh, Comics, and I remember this art was just so fresh and so interesting. And he drew his aliens in slightly, and they were not cartoony in their attitude or their actions, but they were definitely mm-hmm. almost not uh, non. I don't want to say humanoid, but they were definitely a, a, a cartoon bent to them. Because mm-hmm. um, well, he was heavily you know, look, look at these guys right here with the. You know. Well, it's heavily influenced by Space Ghost. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Nexus was uh, was was kind of his shot at drawing Space Ghost. But and- you, you have a hero who's a, who's actually trying to. He's a driven assassin going out to kill the bad guys. Kill the bad guys because um, he has to. Yeah, or he has uh, horrible headaches. Yeah. So it's a good series. That was Steve Simonetti, the manager of Elusive Comics and Games, who sat in there. Um, and Steve, I, you put that out to Steve Root. I would agree with you. Let's finish these stories. Yeah, finish, finish them. 
However, if for ten bucks you can get the the station, I'm going to put this in my box to pick up. How later. many issues is that? Um, this had um, Nexus number one to three. Uh, sorry, seven. Okay, uh, volume one, black and white. Those are the oversized, right? And so obviously reprinted in black and white. This whole thing is black and white, and then the and then the original. Then the second volume, one to four. So the first seven issues, basically, of Nexus okay. are here. Now, it has been – I'll grant you – the thing is, you, you might have a, have a case that Dark Horse did a Nexus archive, uh, hardcover, 50 bucks, mm-hmm. beautifully done. Beautifully done, like, you know, two, three years ago. But the, but the reality is not everybody can pop for 50 bucks yeah, to get this, this is... stuff. So to offer for 10 bucks, uh, what really is – Oh, this is a value. One of the best books of the 80s, yeah. no, no question – that uh, it's worth picking up if you haven't already. I would agree with, with Steve. It's been reprinted a couple times. Forgotten about the flying frog head. But the re- but the reality is, I don't think this is dated because it's a it's a future sci-fi thing. You know, I don't think this is dated at all. If you are a younger reader, you know, like in your twenties. Oh no, this is this is teens, totally. This is still going to be very compelling. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Steve Steve agrees with me on that one. Good. So I think you should come down here and reorder it. Um, (laughs) Because the other things, you know, here what's nice to see is a book that's not trying to just rip you off. And the thing that I'm seeing that's creeping back into comics that's really bothering me. But again, that's before you transition out because I can smell a transition. You can smell a transition a mile away. Nexus, as it happened, 10 bucks. Ten bucks, volume one. Nexus, as it happened, from Rude Dude Productions, yeah. which is Steve Rude's own. Which gets the fanboy planet seal of approval. Absolutely. So, Steve Rude, you want to come down here from Oregon? Come. Yeah, and we'll be talking to you. And uh, yeah, so you can smell the transition. This is a bargain. A thing that I'm getting frustrated, and maybe Steve can sit in on it and comment about this. Is I look over at the comic book rack right now, and something that I thought had gone away in the '90s seems to be back. Is variant covers like crazy? Oh, crap. Yeah, and, and you say, "Oh crap." And how does that? How, how do those sell for you, Steve? Variant covers. Oh, he's coming over here. Yes, go. He's going to say like you know. There's a lot customers of like closer. Rick get confused and buy the same issue over and over again. Which but is that's the plan, why we have it? our wonderful database so that we that's can check. That's true. You can tell me I already bought that one, and I do like that. Yeah, yes. I do too. Um, the variant covers are actually selling again. Again, okay. So people are. want both of them. They want sometimes all five of them, <laughs> five. or or they'll choose. They'll they'll pick their favorite. Yeah. Two or three. Well, like Buffy a, always comes out with two covers, mm-hmm. and one's kind of a photorealistic, and the other one's more cartoonish. Um, and I think I, that's that's one where I can almost buy into it. But I looked at the Power Girl one this week, and oh, you've got both pretty. Yeah, they're both pretty. <laughs> but there's there's really not anything that really differentiates themselves them stylistically. Um, I, it's it's uh, I don't know. Do you think that the the Power Girl people tend to pick one or the other? There's certain titles that that people will um, will will want all of them. We've got one customer that wants all the Farscape covers, regardless of what they are. Yeah, because each so one has a I different character the, from the series. The special the special ones. I've got another uh, another guy that likes the No Hero. So every month that I go through previews, they'll do an auxiliary cover and a. San Diego Comic Con cover and a, but even books that can't be selling a lot like Captain Action, no, has, the, the people don't care. Has multiple cover, don't covers. Care. And there's and there are a lot of them that come with a, a wrap around, a standard, a painted, and and most of the time people just choose a cover. So yeah. I order equally among them. And yeah, I mean to be fair, Greatest American Hero did 
did that as well. You know, had the color, the variant cover for more. However, it was only available signed by by William Cat. You know, so at least there was at least something that made it feel like it was. I don't know if you guys had ordered any of those. Or no, not. no, I didn't get it. No, but to get that one. People just had to special order. It was just oh. a thing, you know, out of previews. It wasn't a you had to order a certain amount and you could get that variant cover. It was, you know, you could buy it. And it's still available, by the way, on the uh, <coughs> Catastrophic Comics eBay store. You know, I'm surprised that they're selling. And the reason why I was going to say is that this is another segue into another element was, you know, yes, a comic book that I wrote, uh, Greatest, American Hero, Greatest American Hero number three. With say the it loud and say it proud. Greatest American Hero, Stephen J. Cannell's The Greatest American Hero, number three with Barack Obama or a president who bears a startling resemblance to Barack Obama. He has a brother? On the cover. Uh, president Thompson is the character inside the book, but, you know, whatever. Sure. Uh, it cracked the top 300 in, in May. But what – so we were – I was pretty pleased to see that. That's really cool. Two out of three issues were in the top 300. That's that's pretty good for an independent book. We were going over the ones that it beat before. Uh, we were. So I look <laughs> over. There was four. I, we beat at least – we actually beat the fifth printing of The Amazing Spider-Man with Barack Obama on the cover. So, you know, that's – There you go. That's impressive. That's still pretty that? good. Okay, thank you. Yeah. That makes me feel good then. Uh, we, I believe we beat the second printing of Flash Rebirth number two. I would think that might be somewhat impressive. Not as Not as impressive, but – Still good. But with that sales report, and then there are a bunch of independent books and a couple of uh, – one of the War of Kings, Marvel crossover, uh, you know, ancillary books we beat. But what I what I noticed overall in that report, though, that was kind of scary is that sales were down like 7% overall from last year mm. at the same time. So when you say that these multiple covers <coughs> are selling again, that that intrigues me. It's it's hard to tell, you know, our con- – our comic's doing all right. It's interesting, too. I, a lot of the variant covers are selling to our new customers that have come over from other stores. Ah, so, so here. So, so our, our customer base who have been with us for the longest time uh, are still buying, are, are still mainly readers. And, and I, I think that most of our customers are buying them to read. But we still have that. Yeah, it's a speculating. Part. No, I don't think there's, they're not really speculating. They just want the different they're colors. obsessive they're, they're collectors, they're, collectors. Yeah, they're, they're their psychosis is they have to get them all i need them all i don't know if we should call it a psychosis because we have to uh you know encourage it we want the store to stay alive sure in a tough time where a lot of comic did stores, i say it was a bad thing i don't know well i think there's a connotation to psychosis that's okay. all i'm saying but uh in a time when a lot of comic book stores are closing down there's a lot going out of business mm-hmm. it's nice to see in fact I got to say, last week we talked about Earth Two opening up. What they'd actually done was they bought out. I didn't realize this. Bought out Golden Apple. Oh, so they bought Golden Apple's another North store. store. Note. Yeah, well, there's still a Golden Nort. Apple open, but the owner, but the family that owns Golden Apple was tired of running two stores, okay. so they offered it to so Earth Two took over, uh, and then Jeff Johns joined in with Carr and Carr D'Angelo and Judd Meyer, who are great guys. They did the signing last Saturday? Last Saturday. They had James Robinson at the cash register. They had Jeff Johns at the cash <laughs> register. It was, like, awesome. You could buy your books from your favorite creators. Um, We're going to have James Robinson here, too. Are later, you? Later on this year, yes. Are, fantastic. He's going to be sweeping James. up. Is he? <laughs> um, Taking yeah, Tim's job. Well, I'd say... <laughs> Uh, is he going to be in a French made outfit? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, we hope so. Oh, I don't know. Uh, teach me how to use the cash You can say, I'll, I'll, as a creator, I'll work the uh, Nobody cares. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, who knows? I'm not done with comics. <coughs> Wait a minute. Aren't you Derek McCaw? 
My my sister had had English with you. Used to be. Um, <laughs> once a bad name, a really lame name dropping thing. Once when I was working in a movie theater, Daryl Igus from the cast of Fridays came in, and I was like, and that was like one of my favorite guys from that that sketch show on ABC in the eighties. Yeah, said, I Fridays. And I said, "Wow, aren't you Daryl Igus?" And he just he used to be and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, wow. I was like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. But anyway, uh, so yeah, we, we think we've talked about comics. Let's talk about movies, shall we? Um, I did, as I promised last week, I did my homework. Yeah, we got to movies, and Steve hasn't seen anything since uh, Kicking It Old School. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny because I heard a radio ad. Jamie Kennedy is doing, is doing stand-up appearance in San Francisco this weekend, and it said, you know, the star of such movies as, <laughs> as Malibu's Most Wanted, Kicking It Old School. I'm like, really? Someone other than Steve Simonetti cares? <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, I watched this uh, sort of a DVD movie crossover thing. So I, I got from uh, BBC America my Magic Mailbox. Derek's Magic Mailbox yeah. delivered Wallander, which is this three-movie set. It was shown on uh, uh, Masterpiece Mystery. Uh, so I guess PBC, P- PBC, PBS and BBC America kind of split the rights on this thing. It was Kenneth Branagh as this detective, police detective in Ishtad, uh, Sweden. Okay. So here's one of the things where you realize, boy, we don't know something. This is like apparently this is like one of the best-selling detective a series of detective novels in the world. Who is it written by? Some Swedish guy. Okay. And they're not popular in the United States, but they're more widely read than most of the United States detectives. You know? Wow. And this guy is apparently super huge. Globally, not cracked into it in America, but very big in England. So there was a very, apparently a very big deal that Kenneth Branagh was going to play Wallander because they've like they in Sweden they've filmed every one of these novels twice already since they were first written in 1992. Wow, you know, so the the demand for this character is so huge globally, but not not here. So I watched this, thing. and actually they're really good. they're a little interestingly paced. And they did a really cool thing with this. What's that mean, interestingly paced? Meaning that it's not like, I think, like watching, say, an episode of NYPD Blue or a cop show now. Which where is paced it's, around the commercials. Where it's just like, you know, blah, 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 blah. well, you know, it's the BBC. It's, they're definitely movies. They're television films. Okay. Um, there's a little more leisure to solving the mystery. It's as much, again, it's about the atmosphere. And they use this digital red High def camera. Yeah, those are fabulous cameras. So this whole thing is shot with this, which gives it a very interesting look. Yeah. And I was really pleased. I watched the documentaries afterwards to go, I really feel smart when I feel like what I'm identifying about it is like what they're actually shooting for, which is that they they did the production design. So even though it's supposed to take place in 2009 or 2008, I guess, um, they're talking about basically these mysteries are about what's happened to the promise of of a society that is kind of crumbling. So okay. apparently in Sweden in the 60s and 70s, a lot of the sexual freedoms were, were you know, blown wide open. And it was supposed to be more socialized, nationalized, all this. And, and like the promise of a utopia basically. And what happens when, when a society doesn't achieve utopia? Utopia, not autopia. That's a right at Disneyland. When you don't achieve utopia – and Mytopia? and the next generation is kind of so they've got a they've got a uh, for the sins of right. this thing, and it was just really I, I 
it, it looked like it. It was like the production design felt like, oh, this is what I, my vision of Sweden in the 70s was, but they're very clearly modern. Uh-huh. But it's everything's just kind of crumbling and, and it's faded. It's just a beautiful look for this thing. But they're And they're really good gripping. You know, the first one is he walks out into a field of, well, they keep referring to it as rape, but it's not a rapeseed, which is, I can't remember what the, what the, what we in American, a canola. We call it that, but in, in Europe it's called ra- rapeseed. Canola oil is is the right, canola right, plant right. Is, is rapeseed. This girl who's shivering in the middle of this field, and, and Wallander goes out to say, you know, police, and she douses herself in gasoline and lights herself on fire. And that's the beginning. You know, and it's just wow. like, well, what the hell is going on? What I really loved about it was he's very human. And it's, one, you're seeing one of the best actors in the world. Kevin Brown, no question. And he's not afraid to look ugly. He's not afraid to look tired and to cry. He's one of the few actors, by the way, who cries well. Male actors who cries well on camera. Okay. So you see, this is, in the first of the movies is really about a guy who's been pushed because all the pressures of his life. His wife is leaving him. He's got an awkward relationship with his daughter. And he's basically, he realizes he's getting involved in what is basically a child sex ring. So here he is as a father who has a terrible relationship with his now grown daughter. His marriage is falling apart, and he's seeing these people that are just committing evil on the generation. He already feels like he's failed the next generation himself. And then his own father is an artist who is suffering from Alzheimer's. You're already way too deep for American television. It is very deep. It yeah. is very deep. And not only that, but then you have all these scenes with David Warner's playing his father. So you have two of the best, and this is the geek thing, two of the best Hamlets of the 20th century. Yeah. Facing off in three or four scenes. Woefully, not enough. But I was still like, this is awesome. These are two of the best actors around. So these are three separate movies? Three separate movies. So it was shown. And then, um, so here's the thing. They were going to film more, except they have to stop filming because Kenneth Branagh, of course, is taking time off to direct a little thing called Thor. So his heard si- about that. So his sidekick in Wallander is is this uh, I can't remember what the character's name is, but it's this he's also mentoring this young detective who's really callow and kind of and callous, you know, just like uh, uh, who is played by this actor Tom Hiddleston. So clearly it pays. It's about who you know because then Kenneth Branagh has tapped Tom Hiddleston to be Loki. Oh. So he's not out and out in this evil, but really fans, you gotta take a look at this because if you want to you know take a look get a sense of at a guy who is of course obviously responding to working with one of the best actors which brings up his game he's not evil he's actually a sympathetic character here but you can also see there's very much this sinuousness to him there's a a little hint of wanting to be mischievous and like this could easily be twisted into loki I see exactly why Kenneth Branagh picked him. Okay. And for a guy that no American audience knows, you, you know. It just makes it all much better. It, it makes it all make sense. And so, and Joe Casada this week on Comic Book Resources was talking about how it was fantastic to sit down with Kenneth Branagh to have like their first script meeting about Thor. And Kenneth Branagh acted everything out. And, and he said, it's the most amazing thing, and none of you will ever know. And it's one of the few times when Joe Casada gives hype that I'm like, you're probably telling the truth, you jerk. It probably was the greatest thing. You should have <laughs> videotaped that. That should have been an extra yeah. <laughs> for the yeah, DVD. Yeah, yeah. I'm already waiting for that. So um, definitely recommending it. We've got an article on Family Planet reviewing Wallander and a link. You want to pick it up through Amazon. It's reasonably priced right now. Okay, or go to your Netflix cube, whatever. It, 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 these or are get really, yourself a magic mailbox. Get yourself a magic mailbox. I try. You know, I'm, I, it, it occasionally delivers me some nice things. Uh, so, you got that. Um, 
We also have a movie opening next week, of course, that who knows if we really want to see it. But Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, which we had already run pictures from the J- Japanese premiere. They're showing in England this week. They're, saying, they're holding off with American critics until next week, which uh-huh. makes me just a, a little But It's okay. You know what? It's like the first movie, and I know you liked it a lot. It's just going to be it's, the first movie raised to another level. It's a giant, it's a giant robot. Yeah. Fu- giant robots fighting. Mm-hmm. To the point, and this is one. I'm going to go to the IMAX screening and not the regular screening because apparently Michael Bay shot – Scenes that are only in IMAX because he wanted to take the advantage of IMAX ah. making the here the robot just little extra moments of the fights. I so guess, really. the only the real IMAX theaters or the digital only ones the real IMAX should do what he wants, which is to basically you want to see Optimus Prime thirty feet tall. Yeah, then you have to go to IMAX and he's really thirty feet tall. You know, wow. so was, they did some things. So so the. Uh the one thing I'm encouraged about in this movie and is mm-hmm. in the trailers and stuff, I'm not seeing as much blur in the mo- in the motion oh, of the robots, which I found incredibly annoying. In the I, first I'm also movie. encouraged by the rare moment of self awareness that Megan Fox gave an interview and said, "This is not a movie where people are going for the acting; we're just running around and screaming." <laughs> now, yeah. on the other on, on the one hand, it's disappointing that there probably isn't that much story development yeah. then, other than it's robots beating up on each other. Well, they're dating now, but I appreciate the honesty. That's all I say, you know. Yeah. You, you know, so Megan Fox still mad about, at you about the Wonder Woman comment, but at but least at least you know who you are. Some points back, you know who you are. Uh, so, and the other thing, and this is inevitable. Already, Paramount is ready for a Transformers three. Yeah. Michael Bay may not do it, yeah, no, I know. but they've already announced that they're going to do one. I mean, that's a kind of foregone con- yeah. conclusion. Got to do a trilogy. Next, everything's got to be a trilogy, right? Except perhaps Batman. Rumor is from Batman on film, which has been very credible with their leaks, that Christopher Nolan will not come back and do a, a, a Batman three. Apparently, because actually the death of of Heath Ledger has just oh messed him up. Because and, and it, it confirmed one rumor that I th- if the, if this rumor is true, it confirms what people said from the beginning when Heath Ledger died is that it's very obviously set up that the Joker was supposed to be a major part of the whatever next. the third film would be, and. But, now, you know, I think you could replace him. Fine. I think I, you could replace him. I don't think you want to, and really, I don't think it's necessary because we know David Tennant's available now. Yes, <laughs> David to, Tennant to play the Riddler. Jo- Riddler, yeah. Oh, it'll be awesome. We know that. In fact, to the fact point that he is going to be appearing at Comic Con. Uh, I think this is an interesting game Comic Con played this year. Sold everything out. They have no tickets left. And then announced who was coming, which yeah. was going to draw. So I figured Peter Jackson, we mentioned last week, Peter Jackson's coming to promote because he's producing District 9, which I finally saw a trailer for last night. Hmm. And District 9 looks. Have you heard of District I 9? I have not heard okay, of it. Okay, so this is, I think it's a South African film. I, I may be wrong as to what was origin, but I think it, it may take place in South Africa. What's happened is that a spaceship has appeared, a huge alien um, you know, transport ship. Huh. And we've taken all of them and put them in a ghetto, basically, and sealed them off. So the, so, oh, the, so the ship lands on Earth and they're stranded. And we've confiscated the ship. Okay. And these aliens that are very alien, they're very insectoid, they're they're kind of freaky looking. So the trailer showed that last night because it's, it's Can done. Can we communicate with them? Apparently, there's, there's, we've learned to crack, to translate their language. Okay. Uh, and... That um, so they're in a concentration. So it's camp being yeah, basically being done kind of. What, what did we call that with an internment camp? Internment camp, not a concentration camp. Internment camps. It's being done kind. Of, it looks like it's being shot sort of like a like a documentary. Huh. And, and so the trailer kind of sets it up as 
you know, you're thinking it might be it's refugee it's refugees that the we didn't know what to do with them, so we put them in this camp. Kind of like alienation. And then and then when they get to showing like an, an interview with one of the aliens, and the the this department of the government is interviewing them and saying, well, "Why don't you go home?" And the, and it's back, and it's just like and I'm already going. I got to see this film because that's the heart heartbreaking thing. Is they go, "How can we go home if you have our ship?" Yeah. And they're not going to give back the ship. So it's like it is. They're being treated like it, it is definitely being a metaphor for, uh, uh, you know, as good right. science fiction should. It's, shi- it's shining Any a light on of, our own inhumanity yeah. to each other, but by actually making the other side inhuman. And so it, it looks fa- – and all over um, Comic-Con last summer, they had signs up for it. They're just saying it was a humans-only zone. Okay. And, and they were definitely saying, you know, don't get out of the get- – basically, don't get out of the get- So when's that coming out? It's coming out in I think August. So, okay. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's I may be wrong. It may be July. It may be early July. Okay. In which case, that's gonna be one heck of a great film. I just just bizarre. Another one that kind of got announced today. Uh, just a rumor out that Shia LaBeouf gave a gave an interview, and I don't know. I think you and I are gonna be okay with this. I think Lon Lopez is gonna groan that um, that Steven Spielberg does indeed have a broken down um, story. Not broken down, but you know they say they. Break the story, meaning right. that they figured out what the storyline is uh, of of Indiana Jones five. So that it is, they're going to go forward. Okay. They're going to go forward with a fifth Indiana Jones with film. Shia LaBeouf, with Shia LaBeouf and and, and Harrison, Harrison Ford. Because apparently this came out. Do you know how much money Harrison Ford made off of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? I heard he worked scale. What scale is that? I want to know because <laughs> it's a really big that's the scale. scale I want to work on. Sixty-five million dollars. Yeah, he's worth it for his upfront participation. Can you do an Indiana Jones movie without him? Well, see, apparently the original ending was, which any guess is that is that Chaya, the character Mutt, put the fedora on so that the idea was that it would be. You know, he would carry on and you had That's just a kid putting on his dad's hat. Yeah. Well, and that's why, you know, then now the movie does end with with Harrison Ford taking it back. So, yes, you can't do it without him. So that's going to go forward. One thing. Anyway, I'd say back to Comic-Con. as I sort of meandered there because we can segue to television. We know Peter Jackson's making his first ever appearance. And now, David Tennant coming out. He will finish filming Doctor Who. And the week after he is done with the role, allegedly forever, he flies out to face his fans in San Diego for the very first time. That is a panel that I have got to go to. Wow. And here's the other thing. It's Sunday morning. Sunday at 11 a.m. Is that a busy day? Uh, no, that's usually the family day. <laughs> okay. So it makes it, but it's usually the day that actually people kind of, you know, they pack up, they head to, they head leave in San Diego because the traffic out's a pain. So, uh, tenants, tenants coming for the first time. This is very, very exciting. Along with John Barrowman. I go, I'll go. John Barrowman is going to be back as well. And so that's, uh, I know I have a few coworkers already saying, you will get autographs. I don't do the autograph. He's on, uh, the British version of Britain, uh, well, the original Britain's Got Talent. Right. Yeah. Right. I was, uh, just listening to the the lovely soundtrack last night and Uh I forgot he was in that, you know, so, uh, and he was hosting that Any Dream Will Do, the, the, uh, Amateurs trying for the role of Joseph in the in the West End oh, yeah, revival. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but anyway, you know, it's it's just going to be a a big deal, and it's like, and now nobody can get tickets. So, I have a feeling, and I'm not saying that we're one of the sites that's going to do this, but I have a feeling there there will be a couple of out the bigger ones like you, 
might have contests on comic book resources. You might have a contest on to get uh, tickets. Nizarama to they may have passes because it's just too big. It's funny. I always I always get calls or whatever from friends who I actually last year I got a call from a friend who was in L.A. and no, said, how do I get into Comic-Con? And you don't know. <laughs> I said, well, you can hang around outside. You know, <laughs> That's about I mean, it. you know, the truth of the matter is eight years ago you could do that. Yeah. Three years ago you could. And now it's yeah. just – no, you cannot. <laughs> it is – you got to make the plans ahead of time, people. It is it is our, our high holy holidays. Uh, it is a dark day, I think, perhaps for you. It was also announced that uh, another British television, because we can only talk about British television right now, because all the other television isn't. Uh, you know, it's, it's done for the season here for us. But we're going to get we get some. We're in the midst of Primeval, apparently, and Primeval has been announced. ITV, the company that makes Primeval, has uh, canceled it. It will. It ends on a cliffhanger, apparently. Oh, that's too bad. And the producer is a little upset because he said, "If I'd known that, it would have been yeah. di- it would have a different cliffhanger." You know, that's been one. That's been a change that's been occurring over the last couple of years. As more shows get noticed, such that they can wrap it, even if they wrap it lamely, they wrap it. Mm-hmm. And to to not give your show a chance to wrap up, that's just that's disrespectful. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it does feel like it's kind of betrayal of fans. You know, and, and you. There's another interesting thing to say with that uh, that comes out of this. One of the Torchwood writers, we know in what, a week we get Torchwood, Children of Earth. Five days in a row. Five days in a row, which apparently and, – and Russell T. Davies, who was – Davis, who has left um, Doctor Who, said he is committed to as long as they will let him make Torchwood, he will still be doing tor- being Torchwood episodes, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and that apparently it really uh, deepens the John the Captain Jack character. There's rumors of char- – I won't spoil for you, but rumors of characters from his past that really make him a deeper character. Also rumor, only rumor, that of course there will be an appearance from David from Tennant. David Tennant. Uh, and you know, so I get excited about that. But one of the writers on Torchwood said – gave us an interview and he said, and I think this is kind of interesting – and I don't know where I stand on this, is he said that uh, the first season of Torchwood was the way he prefers doing a science fiction series, but now it has to be like this. These five episodes that are your mythos. It's all got to be mythos. It's all got to be tightly plotted together, and you're right. telling one long story over a season or a series. Well, that's kind of the way they used to do Doctor Who stories. Yeah. Yeah. And but what he what he's saying is is that's kind of television's changed all that has changed mm-hmm. not has changed all that it has changed on television where now and he's, he, I think he blamed Lost basically is that now it's all got to be taught you know every episode has to have some meaning in the greater scheme of things when they tried to write Torchwood where there were a few episodes that were just about just things, what Torchwood yeah. was investigating. Well, know? they had some that you didn't realize that they were setting something up that they brought it back in later. Yeah, but too. there were still many that didn't, like the thing with the cannibals and uh, yeah, you know. So, they, but but the uh, I mean the idea that they I don't know Children of Earth is it better be a good story for five issues, five episodes, <laughs> five issues, five issues. Feel, yeah, and maybe that's we, we're not as upset about it about that as it tightly spotting because. We're used to long run out stories. The premise they're setting up right now, I'm like going, well, I don't know that they is that really going to be worth you know five hours worth of programming. It may, okay, it may. So we'll see. Um, but the the whole thing about Torchwood and telling the story, I agree with the statement. That I think the first season was the best because they were telling a bunch of individual stories, and in doing that, they were developing the cast members. And mm-hmm. the thing, the nice thing about Torchwood has been the cast development, mm-hmm. um, the bringing people in, dealing with uh, what's been going on, and and 
uh, the comfort level that different people have had or uh, uh, discomfort level as well. So mm-hmm. um, Torchwood is not just a good science fiction story. It's a good, a well-rounded uh, character uh, mm-hmm. analysis. I would agree. Uh, so I'm so looking, I'm looking forward to Children of Earth and uh, hoping – yeah, you know, that, that it does well enough that they will get to do another a, a series four. So um, I, I'll also give a shout out because I, my my son, it's an old older video game. We never talked about it, um, but my son borrowed this last weekend. Spider Man, friend or foe? Have you played that game? No, I did not play that one. Uh, pretty fun, pretty fun. So I'm sure it's now one of those like greatest hits kind of games. And if you see it that way for you know fifteen twenty bucks, I want to say as Spider Man games go, family friendly, which is nice to see. And for superhero games, just because too many aren't, uh, and it was really well played, uh, really easy, to, fun to play, and even the lame gamer uh, managed to succeed well. So, <clears throat> trying to wrap up, we've reached the end. And, and what, what kind of food item is that you have there, Steve? Ow! That you glass pop, apparently a glass. A Steve is eating raw glass. Uh, yes. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, that's about all we have for this week. Uh, we, you know, so please tune in next week. We'll we're, we'll be, uh, I believe, podcasting back on the on the Wednesday. Back on Wednesday, it'll be more ambience in this. In yes, the it'll be a more lively store. We'll be talking about some other things. Who knows what rumors will pop up ne- next week? I know. Uh, what you you know? I know them all right. You now. all know them all right now. You want to give a preview? No, no. I, okay. I can hold on to it. All right. Well, good. Uh, so, if you have any questions, comments. Letters to the editors. Uh, you're offended by something somebody said. All right, then. Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. you have something you want us to talk about, let us know. Until next week, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And across uh, from me... I'm Rick Bretzner, your moral compass. And I've got somebody right now who wants to tell you... Uh, this is Eric Larson from Image Comics and uh, Savage Dragon. And remember, kids, use your powers only for good. Yeah. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Because we can segue to television, we know Peter Jackson's making his first ever appearance. Oh, and Rick has to pay for his uh, Captain America for his Captain America six hundred live here on the air. Rick is paying for a comic Hear the book. money. Hear the money. Oh, the rustle of greenbacks. Oh, there's one, two, three, four. Watch, watch. Dude, this is my superpower. He's got exact change. He's exact change man. Thirty six. Thirty six. Are you ready? There's twenty five. Hear the jingle of coins, people. Oh my! Four thirty-six. That's right. Stole my heart. I I can say. Can I say this? This was a discount on a four ninety-nine book. Come to Elusive. If you are a new subscriber, you can get a little discount. You do. And you want to go to a store that gives you a discount, people? You do. You know, I. And then with the finals, it was just like you had all the these seniors missing the lineup practice and all this because they were sick. You know. yeah, they, and they were mad because the seniors were mad because they, a lot of them had to miss beach day.
you know, they had oh, the, nice. the, the, yeah. the, 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 you know, unofficial, Senior they were all going to, well, you know, they didn't have anything to do that day. So they had the Monday off. Yeah. They were all going to go to the beach and then a bunch of them couldn't go because they were just sick. You know, so I'm like, oh, good. I suffered earlier in the year, and I'm glad. Ha ha ha! Now you know my antibodies yeah. are ready. I hope my antibodies are ready because I really don't want to go through anything like this again. Alrighty, all right. Shall we start? Let's. Yeah, I got to think of a. Lon said it's a high high bar for the introductions. Mm-hmm. So don't topical. tell him that. Oh, okay, okay. 